What's going on, guys? It's JP from The Chase Down, and I'm here with my co-host, Ben. What's up, everybody? And today we have some trades to break down for you guys. The trade deadline is tomorrow, but some teams have started swinging a bit early. Some big names being moved. And yeah, we're just going to hop right into it. Waste no time here. There's a deal between the Indiana Pacers and the Sacramento Kings. The deal is the Pacers receive Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald, and Tristan Thompson. And the Kings receive DeMontis Sabonis, Jeremy Lamb, and Justin Holiday. Wow. So Sabonis actually gets moved. Um, I, for some reason, just didn't think it would happen, this trade deadline. I, I just didn't expect a big name to be moved. But there he goes to the Kings, and the Kings end up giving Tyrese Halliburton, who me and you both love. What's your initial reaction to this, Ben? I love it for Indiana, and I hate it for Sacramento. I think it'll it's it's very possible that this goes down as the worst trade of the trade deadline, the most one-sided trade of the trade deadline. Um, Tyrese Halliburton is the only dude I know of that wanted to be in Sacramento. He told teams not to draft him when he was uh, in the draft before he got drafted. He told teams that he wanted to fall to Sacramento. Um, and then over and over and over again, he reassured the media, like, I want to build this team up. I want to be here. I want this to be my team. And I don't know why the Sacramento front office thinks uh, that Fox is a better point guard to build around than Tyrese Albert. I truly, I don't understand the move for Sacramento. Um, Sabonis is an all-star. And he's a, you know, he's the type of talent level that wouldn't sign to Sacramento willingly. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, I don't know. I don't like it for Sacramento whatsoever. Yeah, neither do I. And I think what we're seeing now is basically why they are the poverty, poverty franchise of the NBA. Um, they have the longest playoff drought in the league currently and if they miss it again this year which it seems like they probably will they'll have the longest uh playoff drought in nba history and it's because of moves like this does tyree keeping tyrese halberton get you into the playoff this year no but you have a brighter future Mm -hmm. um i've been out on De'Aaron fox for quite a while now i know you had a little bit of hope for him um i think i love sabonis both of us love sabonis I just think you put him on a team with a point guard who can't shoot at all. Um, and I don't really know any of the players on the Kings. And I mean, is Harrison Barnes probably, he's probably going to stay now, right? Um, Harrison Barnes, DeMontis Sabonis, and De'Aaron Fox. Is that a playoff team? No. No. No, so- it's, it's definitely not. I mean, I my opinion on De'Aaron Fox is that if you moved him out of Sacramento, he would instantly become a better player. Um, I had him when he first came into the league. I mean, he hasn't been here for that long, really. Um, he's got four years, four or five years in the league. I really thought he was going to be an up and coming all-star. Um, his trajectory seemed like it was going in that direction. And I think just being in Sacramento depresses the hell out of people. Um, and then, I mean, it's like not a room, not a place where guys grow. It's not a place where guys really improve their game. Um, I think if you traded De'Aaron Fox, he would instantly improve on a new team. I don't see what the point is. Like, I'm just thinking about the shooters on this team. Uh, Harrison Barnes is a great three-point shooter. Mm-hmm. 
outside of that, they don't have anybody. Buddy Heald has always been a very, very high volume three-point shooter, and he's always done it at above average. Um, but you look at now their starting five. Darren Fox can't shoot threes to save his life. Not even okay. He's awful at it. Davion Mitchell cannot shoot threes either. Harrison Barnes is the only good shooter. Rashawn Holmes takes 0.1 threes a game. Yeah. Um, they've got nobody now that they can rely on to hit an outside shot. The paint's going to be so crowded. I, I need to believe that more trades are coming that maybe you can ship out Fox or you can move Harrison Barnes and get more shooters, like divvy up that talent or something. Um, I don't know how this works out for Sacramento. It doesn't. And they have the worst owner in the league. He's got his hands all over this franchise. He wants to be a part of every single decision. This is not the GM's fault. It's the owner's fault. Um, When you sign up to be the GM of the Kings, you just do whatever the owner tells you to do. You're kind of just a figurehead. And um, this is just another example of incompetence. Um, this this is and this isn't even a poo poo on Sabonis. Like I said, we both really like him, but the fit on the Kings is just horrible. They're doing this to be a win now team, and they're out of the play play in situation. They're not even a top ten seed in the West, and they're 13th. making thirteenth. And they're making moves like this. It makes zero sense for the long term, and it makes zero sense for the short term. Um, I just think it's absolutely crazy and I feel horrible for Kings fans like to think that there's a Kings fan out there who's 16 years old who has never seen his team make the playoffs is just insane it's pretty sad yeah I mean and it seems like uh that kid's gonna keep seeing this Kings team suck um for the foreseeable future there's no real like hope here the only thing I will say that is relatively positive about this is Jeremy Lamb and Justin Holiday are two plus rotation players. So those guys are okay three-point shooters. Yeah. Um, those guys will fill out the bench a little better, but at, like, and it's good that the Kings have them. Um, like they're not bad pieces. It's good that they grab both of them. Yeah. But other than that, there's not a lot good to say about this. The thing that I just keep getting hung up on is this cannot be the best deal available for Tyrese Halliburton. There's not a chance that this was the best that they could get for him. Right? They, they must have had a very high opinion on Sabonis. Yeah, um, they have. They've been talking about him and Simmons and, and yeah. Ben Simmons as two dudes that they wanted to center their team around. Um, and I mean, me and you both think that's this really dumb thing. Like, neither of those guys are guys that you can center your team around. Um, I, I truly don't understand this, man. This was the sort of deal that was being proposed to Philly. Um, not Tristan Thompson, but Halliburton, Buddy Heels, or Halliburton and Barnes and some picks. Um, and the fact that they ended up with this, man, is just sad. Yeah, and we'll, we'll move on to um, the, the Pacers side of things, yeah. right? Because we've... It's a lot brighter. Right, we've done a lot saying how uh the kings kind of messed this up well let's give credit to the pacers for fleecing the kings mm-hmm. um like we said they received tyrese halliburton buddy healed and tristan thompson tristan Thompson's going to be a nice piece for them they'll probably ship out miles turner either later today or tomorrow um so you just have a nice rebounder tyrese halliburton we've spoken about him i have some notes on him that i want to share um he is the sixth most efficient 
uh, jump shooter in the league this year. That counts twos and threes. Uh, 49 players have tried at least 100 off the dribble threes, and he's second in efficiency on those shots. He makes 43% of his catch and shoot threes. He's 11th in the league in assists, and he's only 21 years old. All of those statistics say I'm an all-star um, or I'm a very high-level point guard, and he's one of the rare playmakers in the lead, uh, league today where he sets a team up. Um, like we talk about Chris Paul, we talk about Mike Conley, guys like that who just kind of get everyone in the flow of the offense. He's one of those players. Me personally, I think he's just as good, if not better than Fox right now. Yeah. I don't like, I don't even think that's too crazy to say. No. Um, when Fox was out, he averaged 21 and 12 for like two weeks straight. Um, I just think the Pacers, I mean, they're so low in the standings, right? They have a shot at the top of the lottery. They just got their future star point guard already. I just, they're in very good position moving forward as a team who's currently tanking, but moving forward, I mean, the future is very bright for them. Yeah, this could be a quick rebuild for Indiana. Um, I don't think they have to move off of Miles Turner. I think the DeMontis and Turner, the Sabonis and Turner fit was weird. But yeah. I think if you have Miles Turner as your pure five and you've got a four that's a little more or a little more modern NBA, um, like they play Tory Craig at the four sometimes, I think that could still work. Uh, I don't think you need to move off of Miles Turner. Um, I wouldn't, if I was Indiana, I wouldn't rather have Tristan Thompson as a starter than Miles Turner, but it does depend on what you can get back for him. Um, the starting five is really interesting here. The The thing that we that you didn't mention about Tyrese Halliburton, or at least I didn't hear you mention, 1.7 steals per game. Um, he's third in the league in total steals. Um, so on top of all of the high IQ, really efficient shooting he does offensively, he's really good at reading passing lanes. Um, he breaks up passing lanes the way that like Thibel does sometimes, where he just sees it coming from a mile away and he leaps in with his long ass arms. Um, this is, it's really good offensively and defensively for Indiana. I don't know what their starting lineup is going to look like. Nope. I assume Hal Burton and Brogdon are going to be the two guards. Um, right now, Miles Turner is going to be their five. Other than that, it's a toss up. I mean, Duarte might be the three. He's played a lot of the three this year. Buddy, um, Heald. Buddy Heald will be in there too. I think Buddy Heald may be a bench guy, but we'll see. We'll see how that yeah. Uh, Rick Carlisle will be tested all those rotations. Um, but yeah, this is really, really interesting for Indiana. I think this is an opportunity for them. They can kind of go Miles Turner and then four smaller guys um, and maybe do like a diet Utah Jazz kind of defense where you just funnel all your guys into Miles Turner. Yeah. Um, you know, because like they don't have a lot of size, they don't have a lot of forwards that are actually good. Yeah. Um, so that seems like what their defensive strategy might be going forward. But I really like this for Indiana. I like just Halliburton on his own. Even if you didn't get Buddy Heels, Halliburton on his own is awesome. Yeah, I'm with you. And I think I, I just made this comparison in my head a little bit. When Boston shipped out KG, Paul, Paul Pierce, and uh, Ray Allen, all this stuff, they were they got back all these picks and they were able to do a soft tank because we were still an eight seed. We were still like in the mix. We drafted Marcus Smart that one year with the fifth overall pick. But other than that, like we were still in the mix. Um, 
I think Indiana has a chance to do that, right? Because they, they'll probably be picking top five this year. They got rid of some star players or they will be getting, I think they probably move on from Turner. I, I just, he's complained for too long and he's been in trade rumors for way too long. Um, but I mean, if they get a top five pick, you have Tyrese Halliburton and Buddy Heald, and then you have some picks coming in and you have your own pick in the top five. Like there's potential that they could be okay starting next year. Like this, this doesn't have to be a prolonged thing. Like you were saying. Right. Right. My, my issue right now, if they move off of miles Turner, their big man rotation is garbage. If they move off of miles Turner, that is a clear sign that this year they are completely tanking no hope of being competitive Um, i think they should though don't you think they should yeah i mean it's better than what they've been which is like just mediocre forever um they've been like a competitive six seed at the best forever um yeah so probably miles turner you could ship him for value you could get a pick from him and maybe use that in the draft next year yeah um yeah i like that i like that a lot for them um they don't have a lot of young, interesting guys. Now they have Halliburton, and that's huge. But that, he's really now their best young guy. Gogo Badazzi's a young dude who's not very good. Chris Duarte is older than Devin Booker. Yeah. Um, he's a rookie, but he's not young. Um, so they really don't have any young guys. I, I like this a lot, and I hope this is a signal that this is just a full tank year for Indiana. Yeah, I think it should be. I think trading Miles Turner to the Hornets for like PJ Washington and a protected first round pick would be a great deal for them. Uh, You get a young player in the door and you get a chance to like maybe hit a home run in the middle of the first round. You have no idea. Um, I might have asked you this before. Uh, We might have had this conversation before, but if you're Indiana, are you looking at Kai Jones as a dude that you might want to target? I think James Booknight's the asset you want to take, even though you have Duarte and Halliburton and Heald for that matter. I think Book Knight's just the better prospect overall. I think there's a pretty legitimate chance Kai Jones doesn't ever get NBA minutes. Mm. Um, Book Knight's good. We've seen flashes from Book Knight where they put him out there for five minutes and he does something amazing and then they put him on the bench again. Right. I don't know what they're doing, the Hornets, with Book Knight. I think they're just protecting their asset, but. Um, yeah, man, I, I like what the Pacers are doing. I say this for a lot of these bad teams, but like lottery luck, if it lands in their favor, could drastically swing this franchise pretty quickly because yes. they have Halliburton in place and healed in place. They have some good players right now. Yes, I, and I think it's always worth it. If you're a team that doesn't really have any real aspirations, it's worth it to try your luck in the lottery. Yeah. Um, I expect Indiana, now that we're talking about it, I definitely expect Indiana to, to suck for the rest of the year yeah. um, and drop to probably bottom three in the East. I don't know where they're at right now. Oh, they're already think, bottom three in the yeah. East. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're five wins behind the Knicks for, at tw- in the 12th seed. I think, yeah, they're just going to keep sucking for the rest of the year, hope for a good pick, and I think that's the right move for them. Yeah, and they're last in attendance in the league anyway when they had Sabonis and they had Turner and they had Brogdon. Like, these are valuable players, but people just don't give a shit because it's not working well together. They right. don't want to spend their money and watch it. So I think it is the right move to just blow it up. No one's coming to the stadium anyway, right? Just get some young talent in there. Let them struggle for a year or two or three. And then let's get this thing on the road again. 
Yeah, they've been known as the team that stays competitive, even though they're not fighting for a championship, they're always going to play hard. And if you can't put fans in seats playing that way, it's obviously time to do something new. I agree. Um, Let's move on. This is another big one. New Orleans Pelicans and Portland Trailblazers. New Orleans gets CJ McCollum, Larry Nance Jr. and Tony Snell. And the Trailblazers get Josh Hart, Sadoransky, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, uh, and D.D. Luzada, and a couple of picks. So I'm going to start. I Immediately, my thought is, what is Portland doing? They're trying to force Dame to leave. Um, C.J. McCollum was getting paid $100 million over the next three years, $80 million over the next two. If you're trying to build a successful championship contender around Dame Lillard, you can't do that. You can't pay another short guard who's only good at offense, a hundred million dollars. So if there's hope in their eyes that they can sign a big name free agent, I like that for Portland. If they end up not signing a big name free agent and it's Dame and a bunch of scrubs next season, this is going to look like one of the worst trades ever. One of the worst trades ever. I mean, not like one of the worst trades in recent memory for sure. Yeah. Nikhil um, Alexander Walker is not a dude who's good right now. He shows a lot of flashes, that's, um, but he's not a dude that's that good. Josh Hart, really underrated. Um, but, you know, man, for Larry Nance Jr. as well, to lose him on top of McCollum, you really had to bring back somebody that really, really matters, and they didn't. Yeah, and, I, and Woj tweeted after reporting the trade, Portland's plan is to reshape the roster around Damian Lillard. Portland created a $21 million trade exception and potentially $60 million in cap space over the summer. They also received multiple draft picks and assets throughout the Pels and uh, Clippers trades. So basically, like you said, they're trying to get people in the summer. That's their idea. They're either going to trade for someone high name or try to sign one of the free agents I have here on the screen, Harden, Westbrook, Bradley Beal, Kyrie Irving, John Wall. Those aren't those aren't franchise altering players. Those are the free agents you think they're targeting in the offseason. Those are the only ones. I mean, yeah, maybe James Harden. Play option. Like they could go for DeAndre Ayton, but do you think Phoenix is gonna let him walk? Probably not, right? Probably not. No, I've been hearing a lot of talk about a potential sign and trade with him in the offseason. Um that's their plan, right? And you kind of you kind of brought up the point. Like, if it's Dame and a bunch of bums, I think we see Dame walk out the door very shortly after. Yes. Um, I think he's going to give Portland the time in the summer to see if they can maneuver something. Um, I'm sure Dame's talking to friends throughout the league, trying to get them to play for Portland. Um, and like I said for um, the Pacers, some lottery luck can go a long way. Uh, Portland just fell out of the play-in tournament. They're, they're going to get a lot worse really quick. Um, and, I mean, they miraculously end up with a top three pick and then Dame gets a big name free agent to sign. Then this whole situation looks a lot different. But as we're looking at it right now, they got fleeced and it's not really close. And I think David, I've had my issues with David Griffin. I think he's doing this move in pure desperation to save his job. Because he's messed up just about every single other thing he like during his tenure. But this feels like a win for the Pelicans. Like pretty, pretty convincingly, I think this is a win for them. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I think this was a good move. David Griffin's definitely screwed up on a handful of trades on some weird extension of Steven Adams. Um, he's definitely made some weird moves. 
but I like the idea of putting McCollum next to Brandon Ingram and Zion whenever he comes back. Um, they have an okay core now. Like New Orleans really has a decent team. Um, I'm not sure why the Trailblazers will get to the other trade that they made a couple days ago. The Trailblazers have made two teams in their own conference much better than they were before. Um, and I don't see the value in that. Um, but I mean, for New Orleans, getting CJ McCollum, getting a good defender in Larry Nance is huge. Larry Nance is awesome. Me and you talk about him all the time. His defense is awesome. His switchability is pretty nice. Uh, offensively, you don't rely on him to do too much, but when you've got McCollum, Ingram, and Zion, you don't need to. Yeah, and I, when Nance was on Cleveland last year, I was a massive fan of him. I thought he was very versatile. He's an underrated passer, um, great defender at his size, can play small ball five or four. Um, I just think he adds a lot of versatility to that roster. Um, and to have Devontae Graham, CJ McCollum, Brandon Ingram, Zion, and Jonas Valanciunas on the court at the same time, those are all good players. Yes. Devontae Graham's the worst of them all, but he's not a bad NBA player. He's, a, he's an above-average NBA player. Mm-hmm. So to be able to field that type of talent and still have Larry Nance on the bench for flexibility and Herb Jones on the bench for flexibility, I mean, like, that's a legitimate roster. So this team's starting to shape up a bit. I'm curious to see when Zion comes back um, because this could just be like an effort for no reason type of thing. Um, if Zion doesn't end up coming back. Right. That's a thing we've got to, that could almost be its own episode. What in the hell is going on with Zion? Yeah. Um, because the Pelicans are kind of, they seem like they're almost as in the dark about it as we are. Um, which is really, really concerning. This does seem like a move to keep Zion on the Pelicans. Um, like, it's not like this is a championship contender team. Nobody thinks yeah, so. No. Um, but this is now certainly a playoff team. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think there was a lot of buzz about this team's going to suck and Zion's going to leave. And yeah. I think this is probably going to quiet that down a bit. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I think when he comes back, they should be a playoff team. Like with that roster that we just named, are they better than Minnesota? Probably. Probably. Who knows? Um, it's all theoretical, um, but a healthy Denver. Actually, no. I mean, the West is still good. Yes. It is still a good conference. It's a little weaker at the bottom, but it is still a relatively good conference. So it just makes them more competitive. And that's how David Griffin saves his job, right? Right. Um, if he doesn't make this move, he probably gets fired in the offseason. Um and they still have room to kind of play around with. I mean, people forget they still have all of those Lakers picks. They have all of those Milwaukee picks. They're not – the Lakers pick is looking decently valuable right now, and in the future ones look even better. Um, so maybe they can maneuver those and get another star player in there or just move up in the draft or something, right? So they have a lot of value in this team right now. We just need to see Zion back to see it come to fruition. Yeah. Yeah, and I do like the idea of them uh, using those picks on young talent um, to try to re- to try to build around this core a lot more so than Portland. You brought up before, like, what if they get a top three pick and Dame gets a free agent to sign? I think the idea of bringing along a 19-year-old in the hopes that he saves your your franchise and he brings you into the playoffs with Dame is a big ask a lot more so than it would be on the Pelicans when you're actually surrounding them with a bunch of young guys 
Uh, I, I like that for New Orleans. I want to talk about the other trade that Portland made, um, which was trading away Norman Powell and Robert Covington to the Clippers and getting Eric Bledsoe, Justice Winslow, Keon Johnson, and a second round pick. Um, they traded away Gary Trent Jr. two years ago or last year to get Norman Powell. They signed him to a long-term contract and then they shipped him in the first year of his contract. That makes absolutely zero sense to me. Norman Powell seems like the type of dude you want to put next to Damian Lillard. I think what they saw is Anthony Simons actually be good at basketball and wonder why do why are we paying Norman Powell and CJ McCollum close to $200 million? I think they instantly regretted both of those contracts once they saw what Anthony Simons can do with some actual playing time. So I understand what you're saying. It is stupid as hell, but at least there's some logic behind it where it's like Anthony Simons is just going to step in and play that role from here on out. Um, but they basically gave him away. I yeah, mean, if he's shooting at- 19 points per game, 41% from three, um, like, and he plays excellent defense on top of that. It doesn't seem like the type of dude you'd want to give away. Robert Covington, we've talked like is overrated as hell. Yeah. Um, he's probably gonna be trash for them next season. But as a bench piece, I like him. He should never be in a starting lineup again. But as a bench piece, as an off-ball defender, as a guy who can just impact a game with some spark minutes, I'm a fan of that. I think I disagree, man. I don't know what it is. I really just see him declining really fast. Um, They're giving him 30 minutes a game in Portland, and that was obviously stupid, and that's obviously, like, not a room for success for him. Um, But I really expect the decline for Robert Covington to be pretty steep because he's not a great defender anymore, Um, and his three-point shooting is below average. So, I mean, we'll see. We'll see. As a bench piece, if you give him 12, 14, 15 minutes a game, I like that a lot more than his situation in Portland, for sure. Right. They should literally cut his playtime in half when he comes onto the Clippers, when Kawhi and Paul George are healthy. I think they can run some interesting small ball stuff with him. I think think that's a more valuable piece than maybe you're giving it credit for. We'll have to see. He's been on the decline for the last three years, though. I've just been down on Covington forever. Um, But on the the Trailblazers receiving end, Eric Bledsoe, Justice Winslow, Keon Johnson. I like Keon Johnson. He was a a great defender in college. Um, He is bouncy as all hell, but he's not a great basketball player. I don't feel like this is a good place for him to develop. Um, I don't have any faith in him becoming a good basketball player on this team. Justice Winslow, I'm also kind of out on. Um, he, they took in two project picks and Eric Bledsoe. And Eric Bledsoe, I, I don't know, is he even going to stay on this team past the trade deadline? I feel like they're just going to move him again. He'll probably stick it out for the year and then just cut him in the summer. Just buy him out or something, something like that. I just don't see what the point of this trade was, man. You're not bringing in quality players. Just um, salary. It was yeah. just salary. And that's, it, it's kind of annoying, quite honestly, when you have a star like Dame on your team and you're making salary moves. Um, I know they're trying to free up for someone else, but you're not even guaranteed to get someone else. Like at least Norman Powell's in the building and he's a good NBA player and you have him locked up for five years. Like yes. 
it, it that's a good thing for your franchise and for them to move on to Keon Johnson, who, I mean, we spoke about it during our draft coverage. Like he's an insane athlete, but he barely knows how to play basketball. Like he's basically the guard version of Kai Jones. Um, and I don't know, man, it just seems insane to me that they did that. I, I'm happy for both sides, actually, just because they, Dame can try to pick the team he wants. It gives oppor- it gives Dame an opportunity to kind of control his destiny moving forwards. Um, so I'm happy for that aspect. And it also makes the Trailblazers worse, get them maybe a better pick. But I'm very happy for the Clippers because I think oh, yeah. this move makes them like a legitimate title contender just next year because you have a healthy Kawhi who averaged 35 five and five in the playoffs on 60 50 90 one of the best playoff players to ever play you have Paul George who seemingly shaked off some of the demons in the playoffs last year um he had a good postseason for him um and then you add Norm Powell who is an excellent player for the Raptors obviously in Portland he hasn't had a chance to reach the playoffs and then Rocco a little more flexibility like I said I just think that improves them so much um and they have them locked up too they yeah. have them locked up and I thought the Clippers had no room to operate too they gave away all of their picks um to the Thunder for Paul George um they're paying Kawhi and Paul George a stupid amount of money each I thought there was no room to improve I thought they were kind of just gonna have to get guys off the scrap heap but they managed to work this out and it was, it's pretty incredible, quite honestly. I 100% agree. Yeah. Uh, they were paying too much money to Eric Bledsoe. And the fact that they were able to get off of that contract is incredible. Yep. Um, this team was already going to be a championship contending team without Norman Powell. Um, I really think this team healthy might be the best team in the West next season. Um, regular season, Kawhi always operates at like 80%. Um, Paul George is going to dominate next season. Like they could, he could really have an MVP season next year. Um, He put up, he was shooting 50% from the three point line last season for like over a month, over two months. Um, I I really, I think it's really possible that Paul George has an MVP year next year and that the Clippers are the ones. Yeah. That wouldn't shock me either. We saw what the Clippers did last year. Um, They beat, the Mavs in a roaring comeback then they go to Utah and do the same thing just decimate Utah if Kawhi's healthy in that Phoenix series I think the Clippers win handedly um like I take them in five games I said it then I'll say it now like the way Kawhi was playing there wasn't a better player in the playoffs Hmm. so I just that's just the way Kawhi is yeah there is no better playoff player than Kawhi like maybe LeBron but he's not anymore Right. Um, and I will say I haven't given Ty Lue enough credit at all. The fact that this team is what are they an eight seed right now in the West? They are the eight seed in the West with the lack of talent that they have is incredible. Um, he, he Ty Lue is an excellent coach. I didn't give him enough credit for those three to one comebacks because I bagged on him too much for being down three to one in the first place. Um, and I think that's partly fair, but I mean, when adding no adding, sorry, adding Norm Powell to this team next season, Ty Lue's got a lot to work with. Yeah, and if anyone remembers my rants in the playoffs last year, I was basically calling Ty Lue a dummy. Yeah, like I was, I was just pissed. 
that they weren't playing certain guys or using certain defensive matchups. And I was going crazy, but he was able to find his way out of these deficits that he may have created, but he overcame them in both series. And I mean, for them to beat Utah after Kawhi went down in game two, I just, the strategy that they used to beat him. It's, it's impressive. You've got to tip your hat to him. We texted about it a few days ago. He's absolutely a top five head coach in this league. It's it's hard to imagine there's a better X's and O's guy or a better leader in the league. Like he has to be in, he has to be mentioned in every top coach conversation, in my opinion. Yeah, crazy how much that swing, how how big of a swing we've had on him. Because I was with you. Uh, I mean, just going down three to one in the first place was stupid, but he learned from it and he fixed the problems and they overcame that deficit. You've got to give him all the credit in the world for that. He's the only coach in NBA history to go down 0-2 in both the first two playoff series and end up winning. Like he just, he just didn't care that his team was down. He flipped right. it and won. So Props to the Clippers. Jerry West is an unbelievable GM. He has been dominating this league from the GM position for, I think, like three, four decades at this point. Um, It's kind of insane that he keeps getting away with shit like this. And Steve Ballmer, how nice is it to have an owner who has three times the net worth of the next richest owner in the NBA? He He spends that money. He is okay spending that money. Exactly. He doesn't give a shit about the luxury tax. So, I mean, they're just going to keep spending. They're going to keep making their team better. And the Clippers, you got to watch out for him next year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you might. I mean, I've been frustrated as a Celtics fan watching us trade away good players to get under the luxury tax in years that we're trying to be competitive. Uh, You don't see that with the Clippers. I, I mean, I think there's a real chance that for the foreseeable future, the Clippers are the best team in L.A. I, I agree. I like think even if LeBron and AD stay. Yeah. And those Pelicans picks that I mentioned earlier, the Lakers, I think are going to be in absolute shambles by, I think 2024, I think by 2024, they're just going to be like back in tank mode, trying to dig themselves out of the hole there. And um, they're a team that's always going to attract free agents. Like they don't even need to draft people. They're always going to attract big name free agents, but that's their saving grace. If it doesn't happen, they are going to be garbage, garbage. Um, so yeah, we'll see. I, I mean, those, those picks are probably going to end up being pretty good. I, I think so too. Um, we have another trade to talk about, and this involves my favorite team, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, they got Karis LeVert from the Indiana Pacers for Ricky Rubio's expiring contract, a lottery protected 2022 first round pick and two second round picks. One of them is actually pretty valuable. It's the Houston second round pick. So it's most likely going to be 31, 32 or 33. Basically like they got two first round picks. Um, I don't know how to feel about this trade. I've been going back and forth on it quite a bit. I am, if you've listened to this podcast over the last year, people know I'm not a big Karis LeVert fan. I think he's one of the biggest, if not the biggest ball hogs in the league. Um, The Cavs desperately need dribble creation and scoring on their team. It's super obvious when you watch this team without Darius Garland. Um, they, They just don't know what to do. They don't know how to get themselves into positions. 
Um, Rondo is the guy setting up people and trying to get to the basket. I love Rondo. That's not his role at this point in his career. They needed this. But at the same time, the type of player that Lavert is scares the shit out of me because I don't want a redo of Colin Sexton being a ball hog. I'm done with that. Colin Sexton this season was great. He was our leading scorer, but he was scoring off the ball and he was scoring in transition. He made that change. Terrace Lavert is not that guy. He's going to do three, four crosses between the legs, a couple behind the back, and then he's going to shoot with four seconds left on the shot clock without anyone else on the team getting a touch. So I am petrified that he is going to ruin the chemistry of the Cavs. And I'm quite honestly, like, I'm just not super excited about the deal, to be honest. I think it's a valid fear, but I think you're going to realize six or seven games into Karis LeVert's tenure with the Cavs that you were wrong. Um, The vibes in Cleveland are probably top three in the NBA. I don't know of other teams that enjoy playing with each other as much as everybody on the Cavs enjoys playing with each other. Yeah. Um, And they, I don't think they're going to tolerate Karis LeVert coming in and screwing that up. Um, He's not a good three point shooter. He really never has been. He's a dude who's really good at shot creation inside the arc. Yeah. And that is a valuable thing. I mean, he doesn't really have the ability to drive and kick, but he's averaged four assists this year, five last year, six the year before. He has some ability to get the ball out of his own hands. He just needs it in his hands all the time. So when you've got a lineup that's Dean Wade, Chetty Osman, Karis LeVert, and then, I don't know, K-Love and whoever they have at their five, Jared Allen, you need a dude who can create offense for himself. Um, so Rondo will probably be that starter with that squad. But I mean, I think this is going to work out. We, we talked about, you talked to me about uh, staggering Garland and Lavert's minutes. I think that's a perfect idea. I don't think Lavert has to be a starter. Um, I mean, I think he's better than, who is their starting shooting guard right now? Okoro. Isaac Okoro. Yeah. And then they have Dean Wade who starts some of those games. Um, Just because Lowry Markkinen's out though. Right, right, right. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> There's a lot of dudes on this team that if somebody doubles Karis LeVert, he could kick it to them and they'll hit a three. Yeah. Um, He's got to get it in his head that that's his job. I trust J.B. Bickerstaff. Last year, the Colin Sexton thing, the Cavs were not good. The Cavs did not have hope. There was no, you're ruining our playoff chances. Um, There wasn't anything that Colin Sexton was screwing up other than the enjoyment of Cavs fans. Right. Uh, the Cavs now are fighting for something. I mean, they're, they're what? They're a four seed right now. They're fourth in the East and the East is as competitive as it's ever been. Yeah. Um, I think this is great for Cleveland. All it relies on is Karis Levert understanding his role. Um, and I think just with the team chemistry that Cleveland has, I see that really, really being likely, man, we talked about it with Rondo. Rondo doesn't care in the regular season. You trade for him and he'll give you three or four really good games and then he'll give up and he's still trying. He's still putting in effort because everybody loves playing together. Um, Just the, the vibes in Cleveland are perfect right now. And I think it's the perfect situation to drop somebody like Karis LeVert who can be a bit of a head case in game um, and just hope that it works out. I I really have a lot of faith. And uh, it seems like Cavs Twitter is all in. Like everyone thinks this is the deal that pushes them to a different level. And 
in one aspect, I won't go that far. Yeah, like, yeah, they're not championship contenders, but they think, like, oh, maybe we could win a playoff round or two. Mm. Um, I think the – let me be positive about the trade. There is no guy on the Cavs roster currently that can score 40 points in a game. Like, Garland's come close, but he hasn't hit that mark. Lavert just scored 42 the other night. He scored 51 against the Celtics once upon a time, like – there are nights yes. where he can just dominate a game and it's the Cavs just don't have one of those guys. I love Mobley 29 is his career high and they really have to feed him to get that going. Uh, Jared Allen, he's going to do only dunks to get points like that. Garland, you're going to need a barrage of threes. Lavert, he can do that every once in a while and that's what they need. So I'm, I'm glad they have that skill set. But like you brought up, I think I think the way to treat this, it really is with staggering their minutes. I know Okoro is super limited offensively, but the way he pet like pesters other guards and just makes their life hell. It, I, I just I don't know. I'm super nervous about this fit because there's going to come a time where Karis Levert says it's me against the entire enemy team. He's going to go one on five for like three straight possessions when it's a three point game. And I'm just going to rip my hair out of my head. Um, I don't know. I really hope you're right about the culture because you're right. The vibes are only matched by the Memphis Grizzlies in the league. Yeah. And maybe the, the Warriors. And the, yes. Okay. So exactly like you said, they're a top three vibes team. Um Hopefully that culture and how everyone's happy to be with each other and play with one another seeps into him and he wants to make sacrifices for his teammates and he starts playing defense I, I can hope a man can hope but as of right now I am relatively skeptical I mean thinking about the situations he's been in I think this is the best uh situation that he's been on so far I mean Brooklyn with him and D'Angelo Russell was fun um but I mean, you knew that wasn't going anywhere other than they were just going to be a really exciting regular season team. Um, and there weren't chemistry issues there. The, the issue was they had the time, they had the, the possessions that they could just give to Karis LeVert and let him take over. And Cleveland yep. really has a lot of guys that you can pass to for extra shots. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how the field goal attempts get split up now with Karis LeVert on the team. But I think if you bring him in off the bench and his goal is just whenever Garland's not in the game, you create offense for us. Yes. Um, I, I like that idea a lot. I think they need a guy like that. Um, he doesn't need to be a hot perimeter shooter. You know, he'll have games where he'll go four for six or five for seven. Uh, like you talked about, he can put up 40 in a game because uh, he just gets hot sometimes. And I think that you're right. That skill set is huge for Cleveland to have an extra guy that you basically traded filler. You traded Ricky Rubio, who was not playing for the rest of the year yeah. um, and picks that, you know, d would help you in the future. But are any of those guys going to be more talented than Karis LeVert? Probably, probably not. not. Yeah, probably not. Um, so, I mean, and they got a second round pick back in that trade. So I, I think this is perfect for Cleveland. I do want to say the chemistry I'm not super worried about in terms of the locker room. Rick Carlisle has been on record saying, quote, first class human being, first class professional, tremendous player, and a guy I'm going to miss working with every single day. 
glowing reviews since from Rick Carlot. Exactly. Yeah. Who's a dickhead? Who's a dickhead? Known <laughs> as prickly. And even from the Nets, everyone loved each other on that team. Like from that aspect, I'm not worried about team chemistry. It's just on the court. Will he make sacrifices? Will he take a charge here or there? Will he pass the ball? Will he play defense? I'm excited to see his debuts tomorrow night. So on our next podcast, maybe we'll be able to like they kind of go over all the trades, first performances with their new teams or something. But yeah, th- this is going to be an interesting one for sure. Yeah, I, I called him a head case, but that's just in game. Right. I, I and I, I mean, I think that's valid. Um, but as a dude, I think this this is perfect. I think this is just the perfect spot, man. Because he's such a coachable dude, he's such a good dude. I think this is a good place for them to sit him down and be like, this is exactly what we need you to do. Like, yes. we are already the four seed. We've been doing great. This is how you help us. You do all this other stuff that you like doing, you will not be helping us. Yeah. And, and I think JB Bickerstaff just tweeted or like, just came out with Bickerstaff was asked what excites him the most about Levert. And he said, the person part of it, we did a lot of due diligence. He's got a great reputation and we have a great group, great group here. Our chemistry is at an all time high and we didn't want to disrespect that. We know we're getting the right guy. So there's confidence from within the organization too. It makes me feel crazy for feeling the way I do about the trade because everyone on Twitter is in love with it. The organization's in love with it. I just want to see it play out. Um, but yeah, all these, I think we should give out some draft grades as well. We've gone through a few of these trades and we should kind of like grade how each team did it them. So let's do the Indiana Pacers Cavs trade, the Levert trade. How do you think each team fared in that? Um, I think for Cleveland, that's an A. Okay. Um, I don't know. It's, you know, because of who, what they gave up, because of kind of the the low quality of the picks that they gave up, the pick is protected. The first round pick is protected. Uh, it's lottery protected. You know, they're not going to be a lottery team this year, but right. I think it's an A to B plus for Cleveland. And on the Indiana side, I'll give it a B minus. I think the, you know, for a team that's rebuilding, they can use all the picks that they can get. They can package some of these into something later on in the off season, but right now you're not getting any value. Yeah. I think it's a B from Indiana's perspective. And I think it's a B from the Cavs. I think it's a win-win you brought up earlier. They're getting off Rubio's contract. Who's obviously not even playing this year. Hopefully he recovers and finds a team there's even chatter about him coming back to the Cavs once he recovers which I think is super cool um but the Cavs get Levert we've gone over why they need a scorer they just don't have guys who can create their own shots and we went over the Pacers have no young players like they really do just need any and every pick they can grab so that second rounder that they got and that first rounder they're probably both going to get heavy minutes on that Indiana Pacers team just next year so I think it's a kind of a win-win for both teams. Let's move on to the Pelicans, uh, CJ McCollum acquisition and Larry Nance. I want to throw his name in there. What do you grade that one for both teams? New Orleans, given it an A. I have no issues with this on New Orleans side. I think it was the perfect trade to make in the situation they were in. Um, have to keep Zion happy. You should try to get more competitive. And you didn't lose anything that you really needed to hold on to. Um, Trailblazers side. I'll give it a C minus only because I like Josh Hart. 
if Josh Hart was not included in this deal, it'd probably be a D. Uh, maybe a C. I'll go C for Portland because I, you know, Nikhil Alexander Walker could be okay eventually. The picks might turn into something. Um, but in terms of value and in terms of what they want to do with Dame Lillard and actually be competitive, it's a dumb trade. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. I, I think it's like an A minus for the Pelicans. They got three players that will get heavy minutes for them. Even Tony Snell, he'll come off the bench and shoot 50% from three. Yeah. I mean, they, they need as many spacers as they can get. That's a good acquisition. We talked about CJ. We talked about Larry Nance. That's an A minus for me. In terms of the Blazers, I don't know. I, I think it might be like a D. I really do. I, th- I think they kind of messed up on that. I don't, I, would, I thought it was a good move to get rid of CJ. I think they should have focused more on picks than actual players. I love Josh Hart. He's a great rebounding and defensive wing. He's a good player, but Thomas Sadoransky, I mean, what is, what is he going to do? Nikhil Alexander Walker, he's a better idea than he is a player. You know, like you see the skills, right. You see the skills and you're like, wow, that's really cool. And then the next game he'll go 0 for 11 from the floor. Yeah. And you're just, it's just the inconsistencies with him. I'm not excited about. I actually don't even know who Didi Luzada is. So who cares? A 22 uh, first round protected pick. It's going to be fine. Um, It's actually not a bad pick. It could turn into a top 10. So one through four, if it conveys one through four, New Orleans keeps it five to 14 uh, Portland keeps it. And then beyond that, it goes to the Hornets. And I think next year, the trailblazers get a different uh, protected first round. So they could end up with two top 10 picks next in this upcoming draft. If that happens, It'll be a lot more worth it. Yeah, that's true. But as of right now, I'm going to give it a D. Um, I just think – I think New Orleans kind of swindled them, to be quite honest. That's fair. I mean, if we're talking about the the two trades that Portland has made in the past week, I think this one is significantly better than the other one, the Norm Powell and Covington for scrap. What, um, what would you grade those? The on Norm Portland's Powell. side, I'm going to give it an F. Yeah. Um, not even close. That's not the best value that you could get for Norm Powell. There's lots of teams that would really, really love him. And you gave it to a contending team in your same conference who you are now never going to be better than. Um, and you got back a whole bunch of project players. And from the and Clippers, you give it, you give it I, a bad. Yeah. A from the Clippers by far. I'm with you. I think it's an F on Portland, even though they were trying to get off a bad contract for them. And I, I agree with that move. I agree with moving Powell. What they got back in return is just not worth it. You it's think an, $18 million for a guy like Norm Powell is too much money? But over five years, yes. And because Anthony Simons is probably 85% of what Norm Powell is. Anthony Simons does not play defense. That's the 15% that's missing. I think, I mean, uh, okay. I think Norm Powell's like a really good defender. Um, yeah. yeah, on guards, he's excellent. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Yeah, offensively, Anthony Simons is more talented than Norm Powell. Yeah, so I think that was their thinking. Hey, we got a guy who does most of what Powell did. Let's just get off the money. And I understand that logic, but what they brought back in return is, I mean, that's so stupid to me. I don't understand that at all. So it's an F on their behalf. And then it's an A for the Clippers. Like we talked about, it makes them like, 
maybe not title favorites, but they have to be in the mix next year. Like they have to be a top four favorited team to win the uh, championship. I mean, in the West, name a team that you'd be more confident in going into the playoffs, maybe a healthy Denver Nuggets. The Suns have the reputation of just doing it again and again. Now they made it to the finals last year. They're even better than they were last year, this year. So I think Suns, the Warriors, if Clay kind of shapes into himself by the end of the year, I think he, and he has play. been. He, he's getting better every game. So I think out of respect for what they achieved in the past, you kind of have to put them above the Clippers. That's fair. Um, but yeah. I think when it comes down to a, I mean, this is, this is a whole argument for another time, maybe for next year when these teams start <laughs> actually battling it out. Um, but when you get down to it, all those series, Kawhi is the best player in every series. Yeah um so Literally yeah we'll every see single one every yeah. single in the west they're like Jokic could be better than him um I mean it, if the Lakers miraculously get better LeBron could maybe do it but maybe maybe yeah it's a maybe yeah um, um let's go Sacramento and Indiana what grades do you give both of those guys I think I'm gonna give a d minus to Sacramento Ooh. I think getting the best player in the deal is good but you're an A for Indiana because you're giving up such a great young player who has such a gift and moving forward, his potential is extremely high as well. I, I just, I, I know they got the best player in the deal, but in doing so, they completely fucked their future. Um, so, I, so D minus to Sacramento and an A to Indiana. I'm going to go C minus to Sacramento because I mean, you're right. Sabonis is the best player in this, in this trade right now. Um, and I think there's a way to tool that offense so that Sabonis works as a passer, uh, as a facilitator, the way that he we've seen that he's good at Carlisle really reduced his usage this year in a re, in a way that doesn't make sense to me. Um, Sacramento seems like they believe they can build around him and I don't believe in that, but it'll certainly be better than he's been this season. So I'll go C minus for Sacramento and a for Indiana. I think that's actually an interesting point you bring up. We've talked about this multiple times on the podcast with Sabonis. You kind of have to create your team around him. That's his play style. The more he touches the ball, the more success your team's going to have, um, do you think they could run a pseudo Jokic type of offense where they give him the ball at the elbow and have De'Aaron Fox as a cutter back door and do handoffs with De'Aaron Fox using his speed to get to the basket? Is that something that you envision maybe working? Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I, we saw that last season, we saw him be a kind of like the years that he made the all-star team. We saw him being a diet Jokic um, and running the offense pretty successfully. Um, I think defensively is going to be the biggest struggle. They still have Rashawn Holmes and I love Rashawn Holmes. And if they have him and uh, Sabonis at the four and five together, that might be a little cluttered offensively. Yes. But I, I trust Sabonis's offensive skills. If they're planning on running offense through him, I trust that strategy. Yeah. If Sabonis is a great player, maybe a D minus is a little too, because he is, are... he is, man. The, the Pacers really didn't give him the right opportunities this year. And I don't know why. I think um, what worries me is the spacing, like what they have around Sabonis almost right. finishes the trade to me because right. what he's best at is scoring in the post and then being able to set up other guys when he gets double teamed. 
or just in general, quite honestly, just finding cutters and finding guys at the three-point line. If you don't have guys who can hit reliable shots at the three-point line, why does it matter? He's just He just becomes a post-scorer. Yeah, yeah, no, you're totally right. Um, the Kings also wanted Ben Simmons, and they would have been in the same situation if they had gotten him. Yeah. Um, so we'll see, man. I of, Who is our coach right now, Alvin Gentry? Yeah. Not a dude you really can rely on. Better than Luke Walton, for sure. Um, okay, regular season coach, but not a dude you're relying on for any kind of revolutionary coaching strategy. I think what's so interesting about this, too, is they've gone all in, quote unquote, but they have an interim head coach, right? Just earlier in the season, you fired your head coach. Do you think Alvin Gentry's the guy to lead you to the promised land? I just, this franchise is run by a bunch of idiots. Like, I think the last playoff series that Alvin Gentry was in was when he was a coach for the eight seed Pistons. Uh, Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond era Pistons. Um, they were not a good team. They were not a team anybody really cared about. I, I don't know what their plan is. They're going to have to go searching for some, you know, like international head coach. They've tried to bring in guys um, right before they had Luke Walton. They had a coach that I actually liked. Um, David Yeager. Yeah. Yeah. And they only kept him for like what one season and then they shipped him. Yep. And um, he was he was really, really good for that team too. The he best coach them, the Kings have had in a very long time. He had them a speck away from the playoffs. Yes. I think they were only two games behind the eight seed at the end of the year, and then they fired him after. It makes no sense. Yeah, yeah. I don't understand that. Um, they do need like a entirely new head coach with a whole new strategy. Um, and I think you're right that De'Aaron Fox has to go. Right now, the Kings are going to suck. I think this is a play for the future. Which, you know, stupid to say it's a play for the future when you gave up Tyrese Halliburton. Um, But, I mean, like, not this season. Maybe next season they've got a plan for how this all works out. Um, But for how awful the Kings have been this season, there isn't a chance that they make the play. Yeah, there's no shot. Even though you're getting technically better right you're getting technically better because you're getting Sabonis on your team you're still a bad team Mm -hmm. there's those teams above you are better than you still you don't jump anybody like Minnesota the Lakers despite their struggles the Clippers with their excellent coaching job like all those teams are better They, they have no shot to knock those teams out of their spots New Orleans is the one chance that they could take their spot but I mean, are we even sure about that? And even if they get to the plan, they're just going to get knocked out right away. So it's right. like, yeah, that all relies on uh, Zion just, you know, being MIA for the whole season. Exactly. Uh, if he comes back, there's no chance the Kings beat them out. So, yeah, this is this has been an interesting, interesting day of trades. It's a tough um, day to be a Sacramento fan, man. That's tough, the, that's the ultimate day. day. Yeah, tough day to <laughs> Sacramento fans. Um I don't know. Do you have anything else you want to throw out there? Is there any trades that you're keeping your eye out for? Is Do you see a move potentially coming? Or is there anyone you want to see get moved before tomorrow's deadline? Um, the biggest what if that's in the air for me right now is James Harden. Um, mm. I'm not sure if there's a real shot that he gets moved. There's a lot of buzz about it. And I think Daryl Morey is very good at creating buzz in situations where there are none. Mm. Um, I think that it's like manufactured and it's not 
serious that he'll be traded at the deadline, but there's a chance. Um, there's been like multiple different reports from different reporters about the Nets considering trading James Harden and trying to figure out some sort of deal. Um, the one that I think is likely is Drogic, Drogic getting moved. Um, I saw Danilo Gallinari and Drogic getting swapped. Yep. And I think that could work for both teams. Um, if he doesn't get traded, the Raptors are just going to buy him out. So I think it's in their best interest to trade him. Yeah, I think that's true. I think I think Drogic has to go. I mean, he's just blatantly refusing to play for Toronto, which is like a little lame. But I mean, if he doesn't want to live in a different country, I don't super blame him. Um, so I think Drogic should be on the move. The James Harden is also what I'm looking out for, because we talked about it the first time James Harden was pouting his way out of Houston. And we brought up the potential pairing of him and Joel Embiid. And I think even with James Harden kind of being on decline, um, I think that's still a pretty dynamic duo um, as a pick and roll partner, as a guy who can actually throw Joel Embiid an entry pass. Um, I think it's super intriguing and it's intriguing for the Nets too, because you'd see probably end up seeing Ben Simmons be thrown their way. So um, that's, that's definitely the one that's got my attention moving forward. Yeah. Um, I think we've kind of talked about this and reached the conclusion that no Kyrie probably isn't going to get moved, but are you yeah, still definitely. sticking with that? Yeah. Yeah. No team wants to trade for that guy. Yeah. And you don't want to risk pissing off Katie by getting rid of him. Um, I texted you this Kyrie is only going to play 10 more regular season games this season. I think the nets have 29 to go. Yeah. Um, they've got one tonight against the Celtics. James Harden's not going to be there. Kevin Durant's not going to be there. Kyrie's not going to be there. Um, real quick Celtics are on a five game win streak. We'll talk about it later. Um, we can do a little, do we, do we want to just do our five minutes on giving the Celtics some flowers? Yeah. Yeah. You always got to, uh, better to do this at the end of an episode than to start an episode (laughs) talking praise about the the crap teams that the Celtics have beat up on recently. Exactly. Um, And we'll just get into it right now because the Celtics have been playing really, really well as of late. And I don't want to take that away from them. I don't. Um, they're winning games. Uh, they're seven and three in their last 10. Their defensive metrics are off the charts. They're the first best defense in the last month and their uh, scoring efficiency has gone up quite a bit as well. What I do want to say is they have been pummeling horrible teams this entire time. And I mean, horrible. If you go to their win losses, you might be like, Oh, well they beat the heat. Okay. The heat didn't start Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lowry, um, bam, didn't like it, their whole team was gone and that was on purpose. They rested them against the Celtics. Like, so I, I don't, I see a lot of Boston Twitter getting super excited. Like we're back baby, like first seed watch out. This is still a 500 team that's masquerading as something that it's not. I said it at the seventh game of the season. I'm sticking to it now. This team's a 500 team. They will be swept or knocked out in the first round. And that's kind of just what it is. So I haven't been paying much attention or giving them enough. My opinion hasn't changed is basically what I'll say. This team's still overrated and that's kind of it. That's fair. I'm just going to disagree. Um, I, these five wins haven't been very meaningful. The only thing is the Celtics lose these games usually. We play down to the competition of bad teams. We always match the competition level of the teams we play. Um, So it's good to see us stomping bad teams. That's what a team that has any sort of aspiration should be doing. 
Um, and the Celtics historically have been pretty terrible at stomping bad teams. Um, I think the chemistry helps. I, I mean, I think it helps the chemistry to win the last five games, to be seven and three in your last 10. I think that helps a lot. Um, they had a bad loss to Atlanta, like an upsettingly bad loss to Indiana. But the thing that I'm okay with, the thing, the reason I'm not happy about this is these games are Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum have not had a good game together in any of these wins. Um, Tatum's been having some of his 36 points on 15 shots games. And then he has 18 points on 24 shots right after, um, he's still been up and down, but his percentages are starting to slowly climb, but I I'm seeing a better bench than I've seen in the past. I think Richardson is a dude we need to keep unless we're going to trade for somebody like Malik Beasley, which is a name that's been tossed around. Um, offensively i like it defensively i don't we are just our bench is solid man romeo langford and aaron neesmith i think are out of our rotation pretty pretty concisely they will not play minutes for the rest of the season with the talent that they've shown that's what you should do um it's absolutely the right call i the one dude i want to give my flowers to i sent you a nice post like a really long post that was made about marcus smart and his uh contribution to the Celtics he has sucked offensively when it comes to shooting numbers his points per game are is not good um his shooting percentages are not good but despite that the Celtics are a much much better team with him on the floor and it's not up for debate um their net rating is significantly higher with him on the floor their defensive rating is much better with him on the floor they pass the ball more. They turn the ball over less. Um, he is the heart and soul of the Celtics. And I know that you meme on that and say that this team has no heart and soul. Um, and to set, to call him the heart and soul of a team that's like soulless is a pretty weak compliment. But, you know, man, if these wins, if this chemistry starts building a little more and these wins start adding up, I think the Celtics could start turning around in the second half of the season. I do want to say Josh Richardson, amazing. You're right. We can't lose him. Marcus Smart, been really good as of late. Can't lose him either. Both of those guys need to stay in-house. Individually, player-wise, the Celtics have been impressing me. Just the way the players individually have been performing as a whole, like I said earlier, my my opinion has not changed Um like when you say they could turn it around in the second half, does that mean like rise up the standings? Does that mean like they could potentially win a playoff series? Like what, what is your, like, let's say the Celtics figure it out to the point you think there's potential to, what is that ceiling that they could hit? Right now, based on how the East looks, I think a five seed. Okay. I think, I mean, like maybe a four seed, but I believe in Cleveland a lot more than I did before. Um, the thing is, if both teams are playing at their best, the Celtics beat the Cavs. I disagree. Okay. Um, I, if they play, I think if the Celtics play the way that they do, you know, when it comes down to a playoff game, um, they're a better team than the Cavs. They're a better team than Philly without any help around Embiid. They're a better team than Toronto. They're a better team than what the Brooklyn Nets are right now. Um, you know, Kevin Durant's not going to be back for a while and the Nets are in absolute shambles and the Celtics are on a win streak. 
Um, I think one win right now bumps them up to the sixth seed because they have 30 wins and the Nets and Raptors both have 29. I'm not exactly sure where the standings go right now, but I think they could end up a five seed at the end of the season. So I think maybe rising up the seedings is possible. I think them winning a playoff series is insane. I think if they were to face Toronto in a play and I'm taking Toronto, if they play the Cavs. You think, it's, this- it's, you think play-in is still a real concern for them? No, I mean, I mean, they're going to be in the play-in. They're going to make it in the play-in. It's just like if they face a team like Toronto, I'm choosing Toronto. If they if they face the Nets in the play-in, I'm choosing the Nets. Like You're saying play-in. You're saying they're going to be a 9 or 10 seed at the end of the season. They're an 8 seed right now. I think that's realistic. I mean, are they just going to smash up on horrible teams the rest of the season? Is that... I mean, they've lost to basically every good team imaginable. I mean, we check we check the wins. They beat the Hornets, but the Hornets have the worst defense in the entire league. So one player has a bad shooting night on the Hornets, and then you win. They beat Detroit. They beat Orlando. I mean, they beat Miami with no one playing. They beat New Orleans, who started the season 1-12. They lost to Atlanta after holding Trey Young to 8 of 25. They beat Sacramento. They beat Washington. All of these teams are trash. Like, this doesn't really swing my confidence them basically at all. So, I, I mean, I, there was a bunch of uh, – I don't know what the word is, but it's the opposite of what you do when you're trying to hype up your team and you're like uh, – you, like the Pelicans being starting 1-12 has nothing to do with where they're at now. They've been a f- over 500 teams since they started one and 12. The fact that they started so horrible doesn't matter because we didn't play them when they were one and 12. Are they a good team? Yes. The Pelicans are a good team. They are a good team. They're not a great team. They're not a playoff team. They are a good team. They are, are better they than the Celtics. No. Are they as good as Atlanta? Yeah. They're the Pelicans are as good as Atlanta. in the regular season, man. Atlanta sucks. Nobody on that team cares. Are the Pelicans as good as the Hornets? They shouldn't be, um, no, but they have crazy. been. No, the Pelicans are a bad NBA team. This is blasphemy. This is they're a- not, dude. Brandon Ingram's great. Jonas Valanciunas, this is a whole different argument, but they have four important games coming up. They play Denver in three days, and then they play Atlanta, and then they've got back-to-backs against Philly and Detroit. Um, Atlanta, Denver, and Philly are going to be the test games. These five games are just building chemistry, making everybody happy. They don't really say a lot about the Celtics future. Um, like this season, those, these next upcoming games that they have are going to be big for me anyways, and deciding where they end up. But I don't think it's crazy to think they end up a five seed. I don't think it's crazy either. I, I just think it's hard for them. Because for the Celtics to move up, that means other teams have to move down. I think Philly is great. I don't see them moving down. Toronto's been streaking just as hot as the Celtics, if not hotter. Um, Brooklyn, I mean, is Brooklyn the team that's going to have to fall? Even if that's the case, they get up to the seventh seed. I think Toronto and Brooklyn are going to fall. I mean, Toronto's been on a hot streak, uh, but neither of us think they're a great team that has any sort of real playoff aspirations. I think they're a great team. I think they're legitimately well put together. Like, I just talk shit about the Celtics beating the Heat without anybody. 
the Raptors beat the Heat twice in the last two weeks, one game with Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler, and then the other time they had to play 50 minutes in a triple overtime game where the Heat were playing Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo again. So it's like they're – I mean, they're proving themselves to be a legitimate team. They're like they beat Atlanta. I, I have way more respect for Atlanta than you do, I think. They Definitely. beat Chicago. I think Atlanta's garbage this year. I think that they rode the high of that one playoff series that they made it very far in. And, you know, they're 27th in defensive rating. Their whole strategy relies on Trey Young. You better have an amazing game today. I think I think that's fair. I think with Onyeka Kongwu stepping into the lineup to back up Capella, this team looks a lot different. I think they started the year like shit, and now with a Kongwu there, they're legitimately good. Um but the Raptors, they beat the Bulls with Vucevic, DeRozan, and Levine playing. I mean, they, they've actually stomped good teams. It's kind of the opposite of what the Celtics have done. The Celtics. Yeah, yeah maybe I need to give the Raptors a little more credit. Um, there's just, there's nobody on the, the Raptors that's really great. You know, Fred Van Fleet is a fringe reserve all-star. Pascal Siakam is a good, really, really good, uh, you know, like, extra guy but he's not an all-star i think he's an all-star dude i don't think so pascal's been insane this year he's great uh i mean maybe all-star is the wrong word we know he's not the best dude you want on your team he's not a dude who who can like create offense for himself besides the pump dribble right spin to your left throw up a little shot in the paint um he's very very limited in terms of what he can do offensively even though he does the things that he does very, very well. He doesn't have a big skill set. I think that's my biggest hang up with him. I think the Celtics series against Siakam has permanently stained most of Boston's collective mindset on Siakam because we completely just shut him down with Semi Ojale, one of the worst players I've ever seen. So I think that has a lasting effect on Boston fans. Yeah. I legitimately think it's different. Like, I, I'm... I put it on record. Like I actually believe in Pascal Siakam now. So all right, it's tough to watch them when they don't have fans in the stands. It, like I don't want to watch any of their home games. Uh, it feels it's like fair. I'm watching bubble basketball. It's just like not fun. It's depressing for sure. But um, let's go back to Boston though. Like name, like name drop some teams in the play-in and or playoff seating that you're confident they could either like win or potentially make it a game seven series, something like that. I mean, I don't have any thought in my mind that the Celtics are going to be a playing team at the end of the season. They're getting very, they are at least going to be a six seed. Could they beat the bulls? If the bulls are injured, the healthy bulls team. No. No. Okay. No, I think the Bulls are better. I think the top four teams in the East right now would probably beat the Celtics in a series. Um, I think I think the Cavs is the only iffy one. The Cavs, I think, is the the closest. I mean, the Bulls and Celtics match up pretty well. Um, I don't know, man. I, I'm trying not to be just too stupid high on my favorite team. Um, but you go down these teams like they're a better. They're a better built team than Philly. Embiid is the best player, one of the best players in the East. Yeah. Um, without Embiid on that team, they are Orlando level garbage. They don't have talent. They don't have a lot of talent. Embiid is the reason they're a five seed. 
Ben, are you kidding? I'm not kidding, dude. I mean, like Tobias Harris sucks this year. Seth Curry is an amazing shooter. Tyrese Maxey is an inefficient. I mean, he's a great three point shooter, actually. Um, what seed do you think this team is without Joel Embiid? I mean, they're not, they're definitely not good. They're not Orlando level trash. Maybe, I mean, maybe not Orlando level trash, but they'd be bottom three in the East without Joel Embiid. Okay. What, what position, where do you think they fall without Joel Embiid? The 12th seed. I think they're still better than Indiana, Detroit, and Orlando. <laughs> maybe, maybe. I mean, I think Joel Embiid is the offensive and defensive engine of this team. Um, and I guess you can't take credit away from them for that. I'm just worried Embiid is not a healthy dude. He is not an Iron Man. Fair. If he misses five games, they probably go one and four. Yeah, I'm I'm actually really excited to see Boston in this postseason because I, I like I think they're gonna have to fight their ass off. I really do. To like even look competent. I think they could literally go home if they stay in the play-in. Like, they could just lose to Atlanta. That wouldn't shock me. They could lose to Brooklyn. That wouldn't shock me. Charlotte's the team I think they could beat. Defense wins games. They don't play defense. But, yeah, I don't know. I, that's good. Let's put it on the record here. You think Celtics are definitely going to improve to a playoff spot, right? They're right now a playoff spot. I don't well, think – I think when no, it they're comes – They're in the play-in. They're in the They're play-in. the eighth seed. Yeah. They oh, have to yeah. Go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No um yes you think i think they get to the six yes i think they get to the six seed okay i'm gonna predict they don't what um, seed do you think they end up in i think they'll be at the seven no i don't i think they're gonna stay at eight because once kd comes back brooklyn's just gonna tear everyone a new asshole so um yeah no i think they're gonna stay put i think they're gonna be i don't know a little bit over 500 because of this nice little streak they've had recently but yeah so, i think the the upcoming games brooklyn i mean brooklyn doesn't count we're both of us are kind of penciling in a sixth win here for the celtics absolutely yeah patty mills might go off for 45 points tonight um and i think that's the saving grace that the brooklyn has that he just absolutely torches us right but denver atlanta philly are three games in a row do you think they go zero and three in those games no i think they lose I think they win against Denver too. I think they get another win, but then I think they lose to Atlanta and Philly. Okay. Um, if they go two and three in those games, is do you think those games impact your view of the Celtics at all? The Denver one, not really. It's Jokic and a band of bums. We've talked about this on the on the podcast. Like right. Will Barton's good. We like Will Barton. Will Barton's not like he's not an all-star or anything, right? Like they should beat that team despite playing against Jokic. Um, Atlanta and Philly, if they beat both of those teams and they keep this win streak going for four more games, maybe I'll start to move a little bit, but I don't Sounds know. like you're very, very sold regardless on what happens that the Celtics just suck. That is kind of the case, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's going to be hard to move me off of that. Like I think once they play a good team – you realize, hey, this is just a 500 ball club. I feel the opposite because they play their best ball against good teams. What gives you that information? Well, how I mean, like, that? they how have sucked they... this season. They sucked last season, too. Not against good teams. They, were they lost almost every single game to bad teams. 
they had a really good games against the Clippers. They had really good games against the heat last year. They had really good games um, against like all of the top teams. It was just every time you needed them to get an easy win, they would blow it. I guess. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I'm looking, I'm looking at their record in the, in the last few months and I just see L after L against good teams like even like half good teams, like the Clippers, they lost. Like I mean, they beat the Suns by fifteen. That was their. That was probably their best win of the season. They also lost to the Suns by twenty-one. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it, and it's kind of like that with all of their wins. Like if they do beat a good team, it's just counteracted by getting smoked by a good team. It's right. just five hundred. That's why. That's why my opinion of that. It's going to be hard for me to change because it's just they're right there in the middle to me. Yeah. I, I mean, we've said this over and over again. It comes down to Jason Tatum. I don't know if it does anymore. I, I think this is kind of just like who they are as a team. I don't know how, if – You think he, Tatum's just a 26 points per game, 33% three-point shooter from here on out? I think the percentages could go up. I don't think it impacts team record, like in the playoffs or in the play-in. I don't think that changes anything. Interesting. Yeah. This um, is definitely something we're going to have to keep tabs on throughout the season. Oh, we've been keeping tabs. We yeah, we've been keeping tabs. Um, we gotta we gotta put this stuff out on the pod though. Yeah, the the only thing that I the reason I believe in the Celtics to make a turnaround is what you've talked about, which is individually this team is impressive. Um, they they're starting to look like a real team. They're starting to look like the bench is a real bench. Josh Richardson is a solid bench piece. Grant Williams is a solid bench piece. Um, they have we have an eight man lineup that you can rely on. Yes. Yes. For um, sure. And if Jason Tatum stops shooting two of 11 from the three point line, teams are going to start respecting that a little more and it's going to open up the offense significantly. Um, you know, maybe that's an if, maybe that's just too big of an if cause he hasn't done that this entire season, but I just keep hoping that that turnaround is going to come. And I think, I think it probably will. There's no way he stays that bad of a shooter the entire season. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll have to see. I'm 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 starting to get geared up for the playoffs right now, honestly. I know we're only like 50 games in, but and we have quite a ways to go, but I'm starting to think about seeding, like who will play who um across all teams, not just for the Celtics and Cavs. Like I'm interested to see how some teams will fare in upcoming matchups. I know I've texted you about my Bulls skepticism quite a bit, but like there's there's a few teams that I'm really keeping my eye on to see if they can prove me wrong or prove me right. Um, the Celtics are definitely one of those teams. Yeah. I think once we get to the all-star game, I'm kind of going to be with you there. Um, we're not that far away. I think Celtics have four games, five games left until the all-star break. Um, we didn't talk about this, but Jason Tatum's the starter, the reserve starter for KD. I mean, it wasn't I think a, it's, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a, we knew that was going to happen. Uh, yeah. LaMelo ball got the reserve spot uh over Tatum I like that it would have been cool if it was Jared Allen instead yeah um but no you know no big complaints there so let's put it on record before we leave the podcast in the Boston Celtics next four games what is their record Brooklyn Denver Atlanta Philly I'm gonna be a homer and I'm gonna say three and one okay I'm gonna say two and two I think they beat Brooklyn and Denver and then they lose to Atlanta and Philly I, I think Philly's going to stomp us. Well, uh, maybe. We'll see. 
Yeah. All right, guys. Thank you for listening, Ben. You got anything else to say before we get on out of here? Um, no, I got nothing. Thanks, everybody. Peace. Thanks, everybody, for listening in. If you want to interact with us at The Chase Down, make sure to find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Blogger at The Chase Down Pod to join the conversation. Peace, everybody.